Welcome to the Kickstart Podcast, where we highlight the stories of how professionals kickstarted and navigated their successful careers. My name is Preston, and on this episode, we have the pleasure of hosting Mr. Joe Walsh, the founder of Grow Recruiting. We talked about how he first became a recruiter, how he found tremendous success and grew into a manager at a nationwide recruiting agency, and how he decided to ultimately bet on himself to start his own specialized recruiting agency in the technology industry. In this episode, I think you'll find a lot of great information, useful insights that I think you'll find helpful. Hope you like it. Welcome to the Kickstart Podcast. My name is Preston. On this episode, we have the pleasure of meeting someone who actually started at the same recruiting agency that I did, who quickly evolved into becoming an awesome founder of a fast growing recruiting agency. Joe, thank you so much for being on the show. Thanks for having me. Yes, absolutely. So for those that don't know who you are and your background, would you mind just sharing a little bit of high level of who you are and what you've done over the past couple of years? I am a co-founder of Grow Recruiting, which is a technology recruiting agency. Um, So we fill everything from software to infrastructure, DevOps, QA, basically anything tech focused for companies all over the US. We were focused mainly in New York, but we've since expanded since the pandemic. So small firm, but we have a lot of uh, pretty well-known clients, some great startups. And yeah, that's kind of, that's what we do. So super cool. A lot to talk about in terms of you running your own business, starting that, but I want to take a step back and just learn a little bit about how you got to where you are now. So uh, like me, if I remember correctly, you started at really the same uh, nationwide agency. Uh, and I believe it was fresh out of college, right? So would you be able to maybe share like how you actually got that job? Was it fresh out of college? Were you yeah. interviewing other jobs? Yes. So so it was my first, the first job I got out of college, my first official job. I had some odd jobs in college, but first desk job. And it was a sales, it was promoted as a sales job on LinkedIn. I was living in Boston at the time. And my girlfriend was, now my wife, was from New York and was living in New York. So I was just looking for any job really to get to New York. And my father owns a sales company, a small sales company. So, you know, I didn't have any connections into like the corporate finance or retail or real estate, you know, space. So I thought sales would be a good place to start and that I would, you know, quickly move on to something else outside of recruiting. But here I am you know, over 10 years later, still doing it. So So initially you thought this was a sales job before the interview started. Yeah. So it was posted as, it was posted as a sales, sales or business development, maybe. Well, it wasn't posted as a recruiting job, even like, I think even when I showed up to the office at the time, I didn't even know what a (laughs) recruiting firm was, but they had some pretty impressive people working there and talked about, you know, how recruiting is is sales, how you have to find clients and candidates since it was a 360 for people that don't know what that is 360 you, you do both the client and the candidate side talked about how basically you, you know if depending how on how well you did how quickly you can move up into a lead and then a management and how the commission structure worked and mm-hmm. seemed like these people were making a lot of money so yeah that interested me i honestly though when i took the job thought i was going to quickly move into something else. I think I was still like taking real estate classes. <laughs> Interesting. I actually thought about being a real estate agent too, before becoming a recruiter. Yeah. I think there's a lot of crossover in that, yeah. in those, in those industries. So mm-hmm. you don't have to, it's, you know, there's not really too much of a barrier to entry. And if you do well, you can, you can make a lot of money. So that's, that's what interested me. So that's so funny. Well, my experience was the exact same as you. I was also on the market for a sales role. And, and I think, uh, it was, they called it a sales associate or sales analyst, something like that. 
I applied and I had no idea it was actually a full desk recruiting position at a recruiting agency. And like you, I had no idea that the agency, the recruiting industry even existed, uh, let alone what recruiters actually did. So that's how I entered, funny enough. And then a little bit of a bait and switch, but it worked, I guess. A little bit of a bait and switch. (laughs) Look at us now. Exactly. exactly. (laughs) After all these years. So you went through the interview process. How was the interview process at, at, at an agency like that? For you. I think they're just looking for personality mostly for that interview. I didn't mm-hmm. really have any interview experience. So I remember I was pretty nervous. Honestly, I wanted the, I, I wanted the job because I wanted to move and I had some other stuff lined up, but, but I sent them an email after, you know, the, my manager, she was from the same area that I went to college. So we had some connections that way, mm-hmm. but yeah, I mean, they hired a lot of people and they fired a lot of people very quickly. So I think mm-hmm. they were looking for personality and they kind of, the, uh, the cream rises to the top in, in that type of space. So if you can do well there, you can really do well anywhere, I felt. But the interview process, I, I think, was pretty straightforward. They just, you know, they just wanted to get to know you. It wasn't that hard-hitting. I don't know if yeah. it was a little different. But. No, I, I felt like if you had two lungs, two arms, two legs, you're able to speak English. <laughs> yeah. You're hired. You're hired. Um, yeah, exactly. no, no, mine was pretty straightforward. I mean, I think it was like a 30-minute just super easy, like first round cultural call. Then they invite you to the office. Uh, you sit for like, you sit and meet uh, different members. I think it was three or four different members, five, 10 minutes per person. And then they have you do like a little mock exercise as well. Kind of like, you know, throwing into the deep water and seeing how you- Yeah, I don't think I had it. the, ex- I think the exercise for my time, but I did, but I did, I sat in on a couple of interviews for the exercise. So. Oh, interesting. So you never did it yourself? No. No, I didn't have to do that. I was fortunately, fortunately, I guess it it was, it seemed a little bit more intimidating to be honest in my interview process, but I was super nervous. I was nervous. I was scared. I think the whole purpose of like, it was a role play exercise where I had to come in, uh, acting like I was a recruiter. And then the people who were interviewing me, uh, pretended they were like the founders or hiring managers. And I essentially had to pitch like why they had to work with me as a recruiter. And it's, again, the whole purpose of that is to really mimic what we go through when it comes to lead gen and business development. So I think if you can operate and you can survive that, they'll probably have a good chance of them hiring you. And so that's what happened. Um, funny enough though, do you remember how you dressed? And the reason why I ask is I didn't really do too many interviews before this. I was extremely inexperienced. I was nervous uh, and stressed out like you, but I remember I did over the top when it comes to like how I dressed for the interview. I walked in with like a full suit. I did the whole tie get up. Um, I, I don't know if yeah. you did the same or like you walked in a little bit more business casual, kind of just a little bit toned down. But um, yeah, I, I think I, I think did the I, same. You did the same. I think it was a pretty bit. Yeah, the suit didn't fit me great. That was like my first. <laughs> so it was pretty baggy suit. Looking back on some pictures of it, but I actually lived in Boston and they didn't know for some reason. I think maybe I put New York on my resume. So I took the train down and then they took the train home. And then they called me back in to come in back in the next day, took the train down again. So I took the train down three times. And meanwhile, they thought I was living in New York. I was actually taking a four hour train ride to and from Boston to New York. I might've spent the night, but it was, uh, that it it probably cost me like $500 to interview. there. train, Train rides back and forth. I didn't know that. You didn't interview at the Boston office or didn't like forward you or introduce you to someone at the Boston office? No, they thought, I think they must have thought that I was in New York oh, for, wow. some, for some reason. That and, is I so never, funny. and I never mentioned it just because I was, you know, didn't want to ruffle any feathers. So Wow. So Joe, now you can tell people that you actually paid money to interview at a company. I think 
I think, you know, you're, there's not too many other people uh, in that crowd with you, but that's a funny story. Yeah. So you get in, you got the job. Uh, and then how was like your first six to 12 months there? Um, I, yeah. you, you mentioned that you did odd jobs uh, throughout college. Your dad was an entrepreneur as well, working a sales job. So how much of that, how much of, uh, you know, learning and absorbing um, the entrepreneurial, like, work-life balance or work ethic from your dad, or maybe even the odd jobs you did throughout college, how much of that played a huge factor in finding success at an agency and recruiting for you? Well, initially, since I was um, not planning to stay, I, I, I really didn't like the job initially. It was hard because you just were cold calling, you were getting hung up on a lot. They had that dial you know, kind of that that phone with like 12 different lines and you would just pick a line and you know, start calling phone numbers. So it was tough. I mean, you go in Monday morning at 8 a.m. and you just start making calls. And really, it's in the beginning, it's a ton of rejection. Not that it's not, you know, the job itself is a lot of rejection. So it was hard to get into the mindset that like I was going to see any success from this. But, you know, I, they trained really well. And as I got better at it and as I started seeing success and saw the, you know, there were some pretty impressive people at the companies, some salespeople. Um, and as I saw them being successful, I did, you know, start to see a future in the business, but it mm. did take some time. I think a lot of people give up before they kind of see that, see success. That's why there's so much turnover, especially for junior people. But I was pretty determined to, you know, find, uh, find some success and, and do well, because I just felt like, you know, if you worked hard enough, if you put in the time, mm -hmm. if you've got, you know, we're able to get good at your craft, which is like talking to people and, you know, making connections and following up and had, if you had determination, I, I saw that those people did well. So I, I felt like eventually I was going to break through and that did happen. So, so you never thought you want to quit. Uh, in like uh, no, I did think I wanted to quit de definitely in the beginning. Uh, I think a lot of people do, but I also saw, you know, I, I looked long, longer term. And I think a lot of people that quit probably look shorter term. They weren't enjoying it. Mm -hmm. It's not, a, I mean, initially it's not a job unless you see immediate success with a lot, which a lot of people don't. But no, I saw the longer term, the, the opportunity to, you know, move into a, a lead position and make a lot more commission and develop clients and develop the business. And that all interested me. But the rejection and, you know, just the, the nature of the, the office that we were in initially yeah i definitely i definitely wanted to quit i think probably for six months like i think probably most people do honestly unless you're just a really gritty salesperson i think if you don't see any sign of like positive result it's very difficult so like how do you remember how fast it took you to get your first client it was within the first three months i remember so the client i called it the first client i had that i developed on my own they passed a couple over to us Mm -hmm. You know, it's the kind of thing to kind of give us some wins, but wow! Wait, you, wait, you know? you, well, hold on a second. You got clients handed to you as a noob. I, I've never had that happen. I actually don't know like if the it first, was my like, 10, 11 months. Yeah, it was didn't wow. happen. Wow. Like my first, the, I know <laughs> the first client I picked up, I called in. It was a company called IntelliPayment. I don't even know if they're still around. It was a Harvard group of people from Harvard that started like a car insurance sort of company called up pitch.net developers to the business manager and you know he hung up and basically didn't think anything of it and then like a week later got a call from the cto and then they ended up coming in and doing interviews and they i think they placed eight people there in the first year so that was wow. a really good client but 
And that was a good win because it was, you know, one of those calls that you really don't expect anything to come out of. And I feel like that's how a lot of, a lot of the times how it happens in recruiting, you know, it's mm -hmm. not, it's not always how you plan it out, but if you put the time in and you talk to enough good people then good things will happen. So. So do you think that if you have a reasonable work ethic, Joe, and then you just end up not quitting, do you think it's inevitable that you're going to start seeing really good results in recruiting? So the people that quit, the people that quit uh, prematurely, you think it was basically too early and premature for them, if they just hung, if they just stuck in, kept their head down and kept at it, eventually they would have found success. Like, do you believe that? Uh, yes, I do. Because I don't think that it's, it's not rocket science, but it is, it does take, determination you have to be consistent every day mm -hmm. you have to put the time in and you will eventually see results i mean I, there's just so much potential business out there and they're in and you know if you learn the crap or just you know there's a lot of different things that go into it but i do think it, it takes i also think it takes a certain type of person there was people i saw in the business mm -hmm. that just weren't able to talk to clients what if whether it be they just put them on a pedestal or for you know, another reason they just couldn't kind of gather the thoughts in the moment, which I think is a lot of, you know, sales is, is a mix of just being able to communicate with people, but it also takes, you know, critical thinking too. Mm -hmm. So, but I do think if you, if you work hard enough, you'll see success. Yeah. It's super interesting. Would you say that recruiting is a sales job? Definitely. Yeah. hundred percent. There's actually a lot of people, many of them who could be listening right now that actually don't agree. But I think if you've never gone through a proper sales role, you wouldn't know that what you actually do day to day is actually sales related which is funny enough, right? If you've worked in yeah. sales, you worked in the agency world, you know, simple things like outreach, customization, feedback, understanding obstacles, that's all sales at the end of the day, right? Yeah, so, especially if you're doing 360 mm -hmm. sales. I, mean, I don't know, it'd be hard to say how it is in a sales job. You know, you have to pitch, you know, there's a lot of recruiting firms out there. You have to pitch your self to the client, then you have to pitch your company, and then you have to pitch a candidate. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you're selling, and you're not just selling a product, you're selling you know, someone to hire that can ultimately make their own decision. So you have to do the selling on the candidate side too. So Exactly. Um, so to give uh, the viewers a little context, the agency that Joe and I worked at was full desk, meaning that we were responsible of doing everything from finding our own clients to like finding our candidates. A lot of agencies out there actually split the two functions on two different teams. So sometimes that's all you, sometimes uh, you only focus on the biz dev side and others you only focus on the candidate side. But for us, we essentially did everything. It's as close as you can be to like running your own uh, business as an entrepreneur. And, but in the beginning, it's a little bit different now, but in the beginning, it was very, very difficult. I do not want to understress that. I think a lot of people come into recruiting think it's an easy job. It's especially on the agency world, it is not. I know when you and I first started, uh, cold calling is huge. I know cold calling is still effective, but I'm sure with in-mails and emails and other methods now, there's a lot of different tools that you can use. But for our agency, that was very much like the primary tool to get into companies. And um, just a uh, quick experience, Joe, I actually remember almost every single day, I remember how I have to like, I got a cup of coffee and if I had to go to the bathroom, I would just go to the bathroom, but I would go and just stand for like five, 10 seconds in front of the mirror take deep breaths like Preston, you got this. I got like 70 to 90 calls that I had to ring this day and I got to just survive. And I just told myself, just keep at it. Don't give up. And if you can just, you know, learn as much as you can, stay consistent, you'll see results eventually. But whew, it was tough. Some days my ears were ringing and just even talking about that now just gives me a little PTSD. Yeah. That was a grind. It was a grind. It's a grind. And it still is now. You know, I think now a lot of people say, okay, it's, you know, it's not as much cold calling or, you know, 
but you're still, when you message someone over email, you still eventually need to talk to them on the phone, even though it's, you know, a setup call, it's technically mm -hmm. a warm lead or whatever it may be. You know, they may be talking to five, six other recruiters and, you know, you still need to sell yourself. I think that people sometimes will go into a warm call with a little bit more, uh, I don't know, lackadaisical, feeling mm -hmm. like they don't need to close the business. But, you know, you're selling yourself, I feel like, especially in recruiting in every interaction. So mm -hmm. um, I still take time, you know, in feedbacks and follow-ups to, you know, craft my emails uh, to my clients and candidates, you know, because there's a lot of competition out there for us recruiters. So Absolutely. You can't be a successful recruiter and just hide behind emails all day. You just have to man no. up and talk to someone. Okay. So you joined, what, what team were you on specifically? What was your focus? Uh, .NET and QA, Ooh. which there, those two aren't really related. So I don't know yeah. why that was a, a team. <laughs> I, I guess it made uh, sense at the time. <laughs> yeah. So you joined that and then how quickly did you, so we joined as a kind of a, a, a recruiting coordinator or an associate recruiter and how quickly uh, did it take for you to kind of get promoted to kind of a senior lead recruiter? And then uh, at that point, how fast did it take you to get promoted to a manager? I think you mentioned you ended up before you left managing a, yeah. a small team. Yeah. So I was lead about a year and a couple months. Nice. But made, made it to a lead, which at the time I think was like a little over 20 placements once you did like 20 plus placements, it varied a little bit, but yeah. Uh, and then it became another, and then it became a team manager another year and a couple months after that. Becoming lead after 20 placements, a little over a year, that's actually really fast. From my experience, I mean, it took some people, especially at my office, like on average, probably roughly around two years. So it took yeah. me a little over a year as well, similar to you to kind of hit that lead. And I honestly just backed it up with hard work, but like, it was surprising to me that it just took some people much, much longer. So kudos to that. How, how did your responsibilities and scope change being a lead recruiter and then becoming a manager at an agency? Yeah. When you were an individual contributor, you basically just had to focus on your own accounts. Everyone shared candidates on the team, but you had your own accounts. And then when you moved up to a lead and a manager, you got commission off of everyone's placement. So you basically just focused on, you know, it was just more of a focus on everyone, like the team's accounts, bringing in candidates for all different accounts and then training people at the same time. The company did a really good job of kind of training you how to train because everyone started at the same level. So you, you know, you were trained and then you were basically expected to train people the same way. You know, everyone kind of has their own style, but it was pretty much learned by learned by doing. So, you know, but you throw people into the fire on day one. I think I was assuming that you did the same. I think we were calling candidates on like third or fourth day we were we started and then clients like two weeks in. So you learn pretty quickly how to, if you're going to make it or not, and then how to train people. So the responsibilities definitely change. And then you're expected to, you're expected to have your team do well, not just yourself. So you, know, you put a little bit more pressure on some other people too, outside of yourself. That's cool. It sounds like the transition to management didn't come too difficult for you. I know for some, uh, it can be very overwhelming you know, they, they, they basically, they barely have a good hold of themselves being an IC recruiter, let alone now they have to manage and train people. So that's great that it kind of seemed like it kind of, it was a little bit more natural path uh, for yourself than others. When you get promoted in the agency, I know everyone has different tracks, but at a certain point, you'll either get a flat fee or percentage. And that's where financially it can start becoming really great and really, really lucrative. So do you remember maybe like how much uh, maybe you guys made at your biggest month at your job? Like what, what was the, what was the record before you left? 
I don't know what the record was for our team, mm. to be honest. But I had a fir- I, I I had my first hundred k month as a manager. Uh, I think a few months after I took over the team, like within four months, which was a big milestone. That's I remember the hundred hundred k month was celebrated. So I had one, and then I had another one a couple months after that. So I had a couple good, really good kind of months as I was managing. The team was doing well. The, I did, to be fair, I did come into a team that two of the recruiters were a bit more senior, mm-hmm. um, so they didn't need as much training. So mm-hmm. we were kind of rocking on all cylinders kind of right when I started. And then we hired somebody else and my my partner at the time, or the, the lead on my team, yeah, he, he helped train. Man, Joe, I'm, I'm kind of, uh, I wish I can go back in time a little bit jealous of your experience, a little bit different than mine, but, you know, giving, get, getting, getting uh, accounts when you start, not having to do the mock at the interview, already having experienced recruiters on the team, rocking and rolling. I mean, geez, yeah. Wasn't, wasn't, as, wasn't as smooth as it sounds. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So, so my team was uh, actually a startup team. It was the product UX. Um, I think when I joined, they only had two people and just started, I think a month ago or something. So it was all about like building from the ground up, no accounts, nothing. Uh, but it was a good experience. So you were there for a little about little over six years. I remember what was it always your plan to leave and work for yourself? Did you want to work at another agency? Did you want to go and work in house? I know a lot of people who determine uh, through their experience that agency life is not for them. A lot of them move in house, meaning that you know they join the internal team at a startup or a company and they focus only on scaling that company. Did that ever appeal to you at all? Uh, no, in house didn't did, didn't appeal to me. I think I did want to. I don't know when I made the decision to start my own agency, I guess it was probably pretty close to when I did it, honestly, because I felt like I was developing a lot of business and there wasn't, I, you know, I, I just felt like there was an opportunity for me to, you know, take more of the commission and also build up my own team and, mm-hmm. you know, kind of do things a little bit my own way. And I was still young. I wasn't married, didn't have any kids and didn't see really too much downside to doing that. So I think if I didn't do that, you know, I maybe I would have gone into another type of sales job or just tried to become, you know, division manager uh, at the company that we were at. But it never interested me to go internal because I like the aspect of having su- being successful and getting, getting compensated for it directly, not having someone else determine how much you're going to be paid based off of the tenure, how long you've been somewhere, something like that. So sales jobs always interested me because you really kind of pave your own future so to speak so you could you know you determining how hard you do and how hard you work and how well you do determines how much money you make it's a yeah. direct correlation whereas with you know maybe an internal job it's not as direct not to say that it's not there's obviously benefits to that as well yeah it's actually really cool that you bring that up because the one of the reasons why i ended up choosing uh after i realized it was a sales role is because you get paid you get moved up based on performance right? It doesn't matter what school you went to. It doesn't matter like when you joined, if you can work your butt off and you perform, you can move up and then you can catch up to your peers or even surpass them very, very quickly in other jobs. So I think if you are financially motivated, you love sales, I think you love biz dev, like definitely look into recruiting in the agency world, but I definitely appreciate you sharing your experience. So when you decided to leave, did you just quit? Did you give a two week notice? Did you have it sounded like something, this is something that you want to do for a long time. So did you have like a, you know, a, a big savings account to kind of hedge just to kind of help you get off the ground? It sounded like, you know, you, you did a lot of calculations, uh, which you should, if you're going to end up, 
working for yourself? Like, do you have savings? How much responsibilities? How many obligations do you have in your life? Walk me through, like, how did you leave? And then how did you start your business? Like, did you have clients from the get-go or you built everything, all your book of business from the ground up? Well, my expenses were extremely low at the time. So I didn't really need to have that much saved. There wasn't that much overhead that went into it. There was a little bit more than maybe I expected, but there wasn't wasn't much. And then, no, I had to not compete when I left. So I couldn't take any of my clients with me. So I was living in New York and I was recruiting for companies in Boston remotely at the time. And basically just printed out a sheet of companies that were hiring for, uh, I think the market I started with was DevOps and infrastructure roles, um, which if outside of technology is a pretty neat, it's a pretty niche market. And just basically started sending emails and calling companies on day one. And then I got my first client or potential client to respond. And she said she went on my website and I didn't have a, I didn't have a website at the time. So then she, she asked me about how long I'd been in business. And basically then I figured out, okay, I need to get a website together. This company, you know, but I started having some success. I need to have some sort of online presence. So then I built the website and then picked up first client did my first placement off of, I think it was a monster resume. It was pretty easy. You know, it wasn't wow. so easy to find, but it was, mm-hmm. you know, not like it is now. Use Monster anymore, and then I was off to the races. You know, I, I I think I took a small loan from my dad that I then paid back within like the first with my first placement. Basically, it was amazing just to keep me going to start. So you thought, hold on one second. So you thought it made sense for you to start a business without having a website? Is that just an afterthought? You didn't think it was like a priority? You know, you know, I, I had maybe like a just like a landing page but i didn't think that the clients i felt like rarely checked the website you know it's more linkedin i did update my linkedin um but this person did end up checking the website so that's so funny and then but it worked out do you remember like um what kind of how big the commission was for this placement your first one Twenty-four thousand. and how did it feel for you not having to share that or split that with anyone why I did it. That's why I said started. It felt great. I mean, I, but then it was really pretty quickly on to the next one. I mean, it kind of, cause you know, you, I, the, the goal was always to build the business and, you know, make it sustainable and not really, and not just be kind of one-off placement here, one-off placement there. I really wanted to you know, build a good client base. And so it felt nice, but it was kind of on to the next pretty quickly. Sounds like you have a very uh, consistent, almost like a hunter mentality, right? You you enjoy it for five seconds and move on to the next. And I can yeah, totally wait, but I'm like that yeah. too. And and you know, no matter how well the or how big the placement is, how well I do that week or that month, it's always like, okay, now next one, next client, next client. And I think that's key to working for yourself. I think in any business, because like you don't want to just be a flash in the pan, have success, and then just fizzle out and then struggle, right? To me, it's like. You want a sustainable, consistent business. And I think having that attitude or feeling like your back's always against the wall, you always have to keep like reaching out to new relationships or partnerships. Like, I think that's, that's something that I can totally relate to that helped me a lot. And I think it seems like you do the same thing. It kind of resonates. And, and so I just wanted to share that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it starts, you know, starts at zero every month. That's how we did it at the agency. You know, they, they did a really good job of kind of setting up certain metrics that you needed to hit. And I kind of, you know, took that and added my own thoughts to it of what I should do, how many emails I had a daily, you know, I had a daily checklist that I still use of basically things I should be doing every day. And now, you know, we're a small company. It's just myself, 
partner and one employee, and then we have an advisor. Um, so it's important to, I think, you know, make sure you spend time and focus on the right things. When you're Did small, you, so. For sure. Did you start your company alone? Uh, you said that you have a partner. So when did the partner join? Did he join from the beginning? Has this always been something that you want to do? Um, having a partner was not something I initially maybe thought of, but after having done it for a few months solo was something I definitely felt like would be an asset and has been great. My partner is, is we get along great, great friends and we also work together very well. You know, he's good at certain things that I'm not as good at and I'm good at certain things that he's not as good at. So it's a kind of a good, it's a good to have two people that, you know, can kind of benefit each other the way that we do. So nice. And so after all these years, you're focused on the Boston market. I'm curious, how is the, how's the bar? Oh, we've we've trans- since transitioned to, we've transitioned back to New York. Once the non-compete was up, we went back oh. to New York. There was more, uh, and now we do all remote. So it's anywhere in the United States, basically, since gotcha. the pandemic. So, so yeah. I guess in the beginning, I'm, I want to ask you, how was the Boston market different from New York? Or was it kind of, did it feel the same? Yeah, the only, it was the same. It, it was small. It's a little smaller. Dude, New York's different because... You just have to get people, you know, you can really search anywhere in the, for people that aren't familiar, anywhere in like the metro area, anywhere that within an hour of New York City, Boston's a little bit different. Not, not every office is in the city, so you have to find mm-hmm. people that can drive in certain places. So kind of figuring out, I guess, like the logistics of where people had to live mm-hmm. for certain jobs at the time, that was the only difference. And it was just smaller. The salaries were slightly lower, I think, too. But right, cool. um, yeah, still a good market, though. Yeah, it is. There's a lot of good companies out there. So eventually it was you and your partner, you guys grew. And then when did you bring on, I guess, your first hire? And then what is she uh, focusing on? Is it full desk? Is it client, uh, biz dev? Is it just the candidate sourcing? What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, we brought her on a few months ago and she's just focused on recruiting for now. And she's doing a great job. She picked up the technology piece very quickly. So basically, you know, we have... Uh, at this point, established clients that are recurring clients, which is awesome. Um, we're always looking for new clients, but we have recurring clients that will come to us for all things technology. And basically, my partner and I didn't have the bandwidth to fill all these roles on our own, and thought it would be a good time to, you know, bring someone in that could that could supplement that. And then, you know, eventually, as we bring on more, can move into you know more of a training position and kind of take some of the the daily you know, recruiting tasks off of us so we can focus more on building the business, the long-term mm-hmm. goal. But you're still very much hands-on yourself, even with yeah. having yep. a first hire. Yep, still do business development, still do the recruiting, still do a lot of the smaller aspects of the of the business. You know, it's, it seems like it, from the outside looking, and I think a lot of people think, okay, because I do see a lot of people that start recruiting agencies. And, you know, there is definitely parts to it that, you know, people you can pick up and, Depending on the type of personality, you can learn it pretty quick, but there's a lot of little nuances that go into it that maybe people don't see from the outside. Kind of like learning how to run a business and anything else that kind of falls along with that, right? right? And so like, I think in recruiting, you learn how to recruit really well. And then if you start your own business, then you have to learn how to do that and be a business operator at the same time. So was was learning the whole business side uh, was that difficult for you? Uh, was it natural for you? Like admin stuff, legal, taxes stuff, a- a- anything that is outside of like the day-to-day full desk recruiting? Or is that something that, you know, is it still a challenge to you and you're just kind of doing your best? Well, you have to find the right people to do that stuff. You know, I, th- I think mm-hmm. if you do you have to talk to enough people and I was always open to having conversations with other pe- other 
business owners, even if they weren't in the recruiting space, but a lot of people in the recruiting space that I had known that started businesses and just kind of getting the, you know, little details of things that you need to make sure you cover with them. And you no, know, it takes time, like anything to, to learn it. But once you do, I mean, you know, there's little mistakes you're going to make along the way, but you won't make those mistakes twice. I don't think for the most part. And I also worked, first office I rented was a, was with a small business was in the office space and they actually helped me quite a bit. So if you can get into, if people are listening to this, thinking about starting a recruiting business, you know, having other companies that have started businesses is definitely a big plus. People you yeah. can talk to and ask questions. That commodity is helpful. So you started in a physical office, but now you're fully mm-hmm. remote. What are your thoughts in the future? Are you going to stay fully remote, return to some sort of hybrid? Do you think it's actually uh, possible to hire and train perhaps even a little bit of a bigger team fully remote? It seems like, you know, you've uh, found a great person, perhaps maybe you lucked out finding her, but if you want to yeah. think about maybe the idea of hiring other people after her, uh, do you think maybe your same uh, training systems and routines can still apply to them or maybe you have to change things a little bit? Yeah, I think it depends on the type of business. I think if you are, I listened, actually listened to a podcast this morning mm-hmm. on another founder who's started and sold, I think, three larger companies. He's been doing it for much longer than I have. Uh, and he said he didn't believe that you could do do it remotely. I think if you, but he hired entry level people. I think if you hire people that are a little bit more experienced and you just trust your employees, then you can do it remotely. It's been working great for us so far. All three of us are remote. I live in Boston, and then my partner lives in New York, and then our employee uh, lives in upstate New York. So I think it's possible if you can trust your people, but. It just depends on on the type of business that you're running. If you're hiring entry level people, I think it'd be a lot more difficult to do to train and build people up from entry level. So, how do you know you can trust somebody really well? Is it just giving them clear expectations and goals, and just seeing how well that they can meet that uh, it, within a certain time period? Like, do you have a, a metric or just kind of a, a rule of thumb from your experience? Yeah, I think. You- yeah, I think it's probably hard to tell. I mean, I think we've gotten really lucky. We have a great team right now. Mm-hmm. You know, I put a lot of faith in my team, but I, yeah, I think, you know, if you give people work to do and if they get it done, then, you know, you're happy. But if, you know, if you're not seeing the results that you're looking for, then not being in a physical office could definitely be, you know, I would say partially to blame for that, but I haven't experienced it yet. So I can't really say it for, for sure. Yeah. I personally love remote, uh, but like you, I learned recruiting nine to five, five days a week in the office, right? And I would love to find a way to continue doing it full remote as I just love the flexibility. So I I think like you, I'm I'm small enough where I don't, I think about it, but I don't have to seriously think about it unless we decide tomorrow, oh my God, like we need to scale. Um, But I think it's like a very interesting conversation and it just goes hand in hand with the greater economy and and the greater chatter of remote first in office and and what we're seeing, especially in technology industry. So you've seen a lot of success at your first recruiting job, which is awesome. And now you're seeing um, seemingly uh, another layer of success um, working for yourself. And I think that's really impressive. Um, It's very, very difficult to find success after you make that jump for yourself. So running a full desk, you made the first hire, but you're still hands-on. Do you have any advice from your experience, those that are listening, like any advice or tips that you want to share? What What do you think works really, really well when it comes to uh, business development on the client side? And equally, on the other hand, like what do you think works really, really well when it comes to just sourcing and finding good candidates? 
Yeah. Um, on the business development side, I think trying to really be yourself and put the potential client on the same level as you is important. People want to work with people that they like is what I've learned from doing this for a mm -hmm. long time. So if they can't get along with you or they sense that, you know, you're not, I guess, being who you are, if you got some you know, if you're a little bit fake, sometimes sales people can be a little bit over salesy. Yeah, I, I think that, you know, just it doesn't create basically the, the, the relationship that you need where there's a lot of different back and forth. And you have to be able to, and also goes with kind of putting them on the same levels. You have to be able to give your clients feedback um, on what's working and what's not working. Mm -hmm. And if you, you know, if they treat you as a vendor as, as opposed to a partner, then it's really hard to you know, it's hard to get through to them. So, you know, work with people that put you on this, put you on the same level, work with people that listen to you and work with people that you can get along with. Um, that would be on the client side. And then same, you know, same thing actually goes for the, for the candidate side too. You know, if you're honest with people and straightforward and don't, you know, tell them, just tell them things that they want to hear. If you actually give them the, you know, the real feedback and um, the real advice for interviews and things like that, I feel like that that gets a lot better response than, you know, trying to please everyone. If you try to please everyone in this business here, never going to succeed. So you have to, I think be, be, being real would be the most important thing. Being real, being honest, being transparent helps you in your words on both the candidates and client side. Yeah, for sure. I think I, uh, I do, I do a good job of connecting with people. Mm -hmm. I think that's it. I mean, that obviously an important part of this business. People can sense when you're being fake or when you're being real. So if you're being, if you're being real, if you're giving real advice, if you're, you know, having an honest conversation with someone, I think that they appreciate that a lot more and they remember it too, uh, rather than, you know, just tell them again what they want to hear. So when reaching out to clients, Joe, how important do you think it is to be specialized in your market versus generalized or doing every position out there in the world when it comes to just establishing just a good first impression or credibility with, with new business? Yeah, I think it makes all the difference. I mean, having a niche or specialization is what separates you from the rest of all the other recruiters that are reaching mm -hmm. out to companies and just spamming them. Or if, even if they're, you know, sending them somewhat relevant, as long as you have, if you have a difficult position, they have a difficult position to fill and you're, you know, that's your specialty, that's going to get you in the door a lot of the times. And that's why we, you know, we try to be as specialized as we can because we are a small company. We haven't, you know, built up a huge brand like some of these other recruiting firms. But if we can show them that we specialize in whatever they're hiring for and, and really kind of drive that home, then that's usually a good way to get into some of the larger companies that maybe we wouldn't have as much access to because we are a newer company. For sure. What sort of companies do you work with? Is it all just early stage, 10, 20 persons team to large post IPO all of the above? Do you have any, uh, you know, any preference as well? Um, do you prefer working with uh, the companies that are like on the up and up going through fast growth, the little bit smaller or the ones that are more established? You know, maybe a couple of years ago, I would have said I liked working with startups um, more than the larger companies. But I think I like a good mix because I like the fast grow growing companies. They have a ton of roles they need to fill and they really look at you as a partner. But with that, you know, a lot of things can change in the startup world. So I like them because of the opportunity to work on a lot of positions, fill them quickly and you know, work with an exciting company. Um, but I also do like the larger, more established companies because there's more stability there, right? So having a good mix, I think, in your portfolio is is is, uh, is important because if you just work with startups or you just work with large companies, you know, I don't, you're going to attract only one certain type of candidate. Whereas if you have a good mix too, you can attract a lot of different types of candidates. So yeah, absolutely. Um, 
I, yeah, I we're not we're not industry specific. We're you know we're position specific, but not industry specific. As your team continues to grow, uh, do you think it will, there will ever be a point where you stop being hands on, or do you do? Does a part of you just love the art of being hands on and being full desk, being a recruiter, and just like you know you love that? You know, I honestly wish I could say that I was the person that will always want to be hands on and recruiting and doing the client stuff, but I don't know to be honest. I have. I've seen other people that have had a lot of success, especially even in our last agency, there was uh, this guy that was just a dominant salesperson. He moved up to management and he wanted to come back down to <laughs> doing recruiting and sales. I don't know. I think um, I do like developing business and I do like talking to candidates. So I can see myself always you know, having some part in the process. But I think as you grow in this business, you need to work that other muscle, which is the management side, or else you're gonna stay you know, the same size. So um, I think to get out of my comfort zone a little bit and move into a management position is what is eventually going to need to happen and given a little bit more control to the people that I, I ultimately hire. But, you know, for now, I'm getting plenty of, getting plenty of the, the sales side. And the, so. the sales action. Yeah. I mean, I, I totally agree with you too. I'm all about embracing growth and challenge and that would just be the organic next step to our career. But I love it. I, lo I love being hands-on as well. I think uh, in, a, in a small way, that's the reason why I'm still hands-on to this day. Like, it's just fun. Like it's, you, you, you feel the pain and when, you know, when things are going down, it hurts, but like, it, I love that somehow, but when things are going well, you've loved that too. Right. Um, and, and I think for people who are listening, that's the great thing about recruiting, especially if you do make that successful pivot working for yourself, like you, there is unlimited amount of situations and scenarios uh, in which you can be a recruiter. You can just be a solo recruiter and that's it and be happy and just recruit and placements. Um, and that that's all you want to do to the moon, or you can have a small team, you can have a mid-sized team or more the merrier, right? I think recruiting gives you that flexibility, which is really cool. I want to ask you one thing. If you were to go back in time, Joe, do you think you would still be able to find a lot of success when you make that decision working for yourself? Or do you think um, a lot of, uh, I guess, what accelerated your ramp up time working for yourself, large of it, a lot of it was credited to actually like having a recruiting job before where you just learned how to recruit and learn all the fundamentals, you develop systems and processes, because there are a lot right. of people out there who are deciding to become and recruiting agency owner without the recruiting professional job experience. I, that's how I learned. That's how you learned. How important was that to you and your success when you decide to work for yourself? You know, I do see that people doing that, um, coming in without any recruiting experience at an agency or, or other. I think I needed that. I don't think I would have, have as, had as much success if I didn't go through the learning curve of you know starting out just calling candidates and then getting trained on how to you know certain processes because i think there's a lot more that goes into recruiting than people realize so i do think that you need that training in order to see success i'm sure there's some outliers there's some people that you know can pick those things up and can learn on their own um but i think that you get a huge head start if you work in an agency where you're grinding and you're you know you have to hit certain numbers and you're you know pushed every day to to, uh, to, to build and to find clients and to find new candidates and to get placements done. I think that you learn a lot very quickly there. I think if you go in from a different industry, like if you're you know, a lawyer and you want to then recruit uh, other lawyers, uh, then I think you're at a disadvantage, to be honest. But 
depends on the person. I, I, I don't think that I would have succeeded as much if I didn't go through, if I didn't have the four or five years at the agency that I did before. So, Yeah, you and me both. Anyone can find a resume. Anyone can land a client, but it's all that nuance, what happens in between and just helping you stay consistent afterwards to be able to do that consistently. I think you learn that through repetition, through systems and processes of working at an established uh, career. So I am in the opinion, it seems like we both agree that if you want to work for us eventually, that's great, but at least like go into the job force, find a job at agency, work there for a year or two or three, you might end up hating it. You might end up loving it, but most importantly, you'll just end up learning a lot that you can leverage once you make that pivot. And I guess moving forward, Joe, it seems like you guys are doing really well. You guys are specialized, working with all different types of companies and clients, which is awesome. Uh, there's a lot of uncertainty with the market right now. I'm sure you've seen that a lot with your clients. We're definitely seeing that a lot with our clients. Is there anything different that you're doing to kind of help you guys navigate the waters moving forward? Um, and just, I think as a secondary thing, what we're seeing, we're seeing a lot more uh, hyper competition. We're seeing a lot more aggressive counter offers, people rescinding offers, companies now rescinding offers. We're now seeing candidates continue to interview even after they accept and sign a, uh, an agreement. Like it's situations I've never seen before in my life, in my professional career. So what are you seeing and like, how are you preparing yourself moving forward as a business owner? Yeah, there's not a lot that shocks me now, having done this for 10 years or so. And you know, you see companies rescinding offers, that's, an, that's a bit of a new one. Um, but I think that things have been good for the past couple of years in recruiting, especially if you've been doing this for a while. A lot of companies had a, a lot of recruiting companies had a lot more jobs than they've ever had open before. And I think now will be a time to determine, you know, who's really, really good at this. So um, as long as you drive new business, keep focusing on, you know, building your client base. I think that there will be, you know, I think there's always going to be opportunities for the good people, the good recruiters in this business. And I think that, you know, hopefully this, because a lot of recruiters get a bad rap too, because you know, they, companies worked with a bad recruiter before and you now they just judge all recruiters the same. So I hope that, you know, this tough times or whatever it is, I mean, we haven't really experienced yet in our company, to be honest, but I hope that, you know, this puts a lot of people that maybe aren't as good out of the industry and the, you know, the, the, the good rise to the top sort of thing. So that's what I'm hoping for with this. Um, but I do think, yeah, there's a lot of maybe too many out there recruiters out there that don't have a lot of experience. So um, I think they're going to learn how difficult this job really is over the next couple of months, years, potentially. So we'll see. The strong will survive if you know your craft well, you can, you know, navigate the waters. But uh, yeah, it's, it's a crazy time. Um, and I guess one other thing, Joe, like if you uh, were to go back in time, even right before you decided to embark on your recruiting career and another sales opportunity presented itself at that time, and you could have still have done the same thing that you've chose to do, which is get a recruiting job, work for yourself. Would you change anything? Would you do anything different? No, but I, if I, would I go back and, to take a different job would you do recruiting again or would you even do like another sales job if you had the choice yes i would do i would do recruiting again i get a lot of freedom in my job and uh i think i've made a i don't think you know recruiting is one of those things where you there isn't a huge barrier and so i was able to start this business i don't think if i did another type of sales job i would be able to because you know you need to sell a product or you know technology whatever it may be so mm -hmm. no i would i would not because i think this is giving Give me a lot of opportunity and I see on the upside moving forward, so. Gotcha. And lastly, for those uh, thinking or maybe making that decision right now to work for themselves, 
any advice from your experience? It can be uh, just from a, a, a pure business owner perspective or someone who is running and owning their own recruiting shop. But uh, what is like, the one advice you want to share to others? That's a tough question. Um, I would say don't get too high or too low in this business. Uh, you know, mm. Take the wins as wins and take the losses and, and move on pretty quickly from both because things change day to day. Um, and if you ever, you know, just got to ride the roller coaster. If you get too high, you can come crashing down. And if you get too low, you're not, you're not going to be able to make that next phone call. So try to stay even keeled and just look at it as a long term, take a long term view at, rather, as opposed to a short term view to have success. Well, you heard it from Mr. Joe Walsh himself, everybody. Don't give in to the extreme swings in this business day to day. Stay consistent, have hard work, be humble, have good work ethic, and you can find great, great success. And uh, I just want to thank you again. And I really, really appreciate you taking time out of this afternoon to chat. Uh, really, really impressive to see what you've done in your career thus far. A lot of similarities in alignment with my personal career. So I'm personally excited to see you guys continue to grow. For those listening, if you are a founder hiring really any hard to fill technical roles, but specifically DevOps, infrastructure, engineering, even QA, definitely reach out to Joe. If you are a candidate looking for a new job, you have a great network of people who are looking for a job, feel free to reach out to them. And for those that want to connect with you, Joe, where can they find you? Uh, LinkedIn, Grow Recruiting, or just my email, joe at growrecruiting.com. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. Well, thanks for having me, Preston. Well, thank you it. so much. Yeah, it was a lot yeah. of fun and uh, wishing you nothing but success, you and the team, as we go into uh, the end of summer and Q4 here, uh, particularly an exciting time, uh, part of the recruiting cycle. So uh, fingers crossed. I hope you're enjoying your summer. Thank you so much again, Joe, and we'll definitely keep in touch. Awesome. Likewise. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. Make sure you subscribe for other great stories that are coming up. If you need any help with hiring, know of anyone who's looking for a job, or would like to be a guest on this podcast, please feel free to reach out to us at www.kickstartfinder.com. Really, really appreciate it, and we'll see you on the next one.